Trading Nut, episode 135. Stop viewing your performance and development as a trader by the absolute percentage amount that you're making or not making. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax, learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading up podcast. I'm your host Cam Hawkins and today we've got James Eaton on the show. Now James is a Forex trader from the UK, currently based in Spain. His tan tells you that he is. You're going to see that in a second if you're watching the video. Now he is a, has a very scientific approach to his trading. In fact his back testing is all about the numbers. You're going to see how he goes about doing it. We actually dive quite deep into his back testing approach in the show. So stay tuned for that. Also, stay tuned afterwards to check out the video that we shot after the show where James walks through the five structures, market structures, that you need to be looking out for on a higher time frame to help you with your lower time frame entries. So be sure to check that out on the YouTube channel. Now, over on YouTube, we've got something new happening this week on Trading Nuts. So pleased to be getting this out the door. Uh, this is pre-market analysis for the week ahead. Now, how is this going to work? Well, what's happened is Cass Darman, who is a previous guest of the show, in fact, he came second in the trading uh, in the Forex Simulator Challenge and got 9 out of 10 trades right in my 10 trade challenge. He is an active member of the Telegram chat over there on TradingNet and sort of worked out that people were missing these key things for the market in the week ahead and decided to do, or thought it was a good idea to do a pre-market analysis for anyone that's interested. So, guys, if you're looking to trade like on hourly levels or daily levels or maybe even four hourly levels, then uh, this could be for you. So Cass is going to break down the week ahead, give you guys some key levels to work on, to think about, look at the week that's just gone, what what happened at those particular key levels, bring in a whole variety of trading styles so that it may or may not uh, fit your trading style, but you're definitely going to learn something because he's going to throw a tip in there or two, as well as have Q&A. So if you guys have got questions, he'll happily answer those for you. It's all going to be live. We're going to do the first one this week. And it's going to be ongoing every week that you guys can tap into. So stay tuned for that over there on Trading Nut. Be sure to subscribe to everything so you don't miss out. Other things over there on the YouTube, I have got a, a video going live very soon, which is one of my robot builds for the M&W pattern. So you're going to see how I built the M&W pattern into a fully automated trading robot. Uh, so that's coming up along with another robot, which will be coming up soon, where we used a strategy that, uh, or a technique that Kieran Davis dropped on the show around banks manipulating or institutions manipulating price. And I've built that into a trading robot as well. So all of that is over there on the YouTube channel coming up very soon. Now, if you're looking at building your own trading robots, then do check out my Robot Builders Club. That's where you can get access to the two ones that I've just talked about, as well as a ton more. And uh, 
I've got a payment plan option there as well now. So if you want to check that out, head over to tradingnut.com. There's a free training as well if you want to understand what I'm talking about. If you've got no idea, go and check out the free training first. Uh, but the doors are going to be closing soon, and they're going to close pretty pretty quickly. So I'm not going to let – it's not going to be like a month. It's just going to happen, okay? And it's getting closer and closer to happening. So the doors are closing to new members. The existing members will definitely uh, have the support they need to build whatever they want without coding, that is. That's what we do here at Trading Nuts. So, guys, well, let's get on with the show with James. Uh, here we go. Hey, folks, my sponsors, City Traders Imperium, have just launched some amazing changes to their funded trader program you got to check out. You can now skip – the whole evaluation, trade gold as well as Forex, plus they've increased the drawdown you're allowed in both the evaluation and when funded. With CTI, it's even faster and easier to reach up to $4 million in funding with a 50 to 70% profit share. Click the link in the description to find out what else has changed. All right, folks, here we go. We've got James Eaton here on the show from Trading Jam all the way over there in Spain, Costa del Sol. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to get into it. Hopefully, it can provide your listeners with, with a bit of value and uh, a, a somewhat refreshingly different perspective on some key trading areas as well. So excited to get into it. Cool. Well, look, it, I mean, it was quite interesting that the email that I received uh, from you early on in our chats mm. were, was about the, you know quantifying what you were doing and, and putting stuff into a database and stuff. And so I know we're going to touch on that in this uh, show. And I know you've been trading full time for the last four years uh, and sort of transition from from getting your personal or what you're doing beforehand to to this. Yes. So let's start off with your trading journey. How did it all start? So I mean, my introduction, if you like, into trading was completely by accident. I mean, as you said, I was working as a personal trainer. I was 20, 21 years old at the time, and I was in London. Had a quite a successful client base. I was doing what I had always wanted to do at that point. And there was always just something in my life that I felt like I knew I was sort of missing. There was a disconnect between where I currently was and where ultimately I thought I wanted my life to be. And the the truth is, you know, even though I did enjoy the role as a personal trainer, I love working with clients. Ultimately, I wanted more time, more money and more freedom. I mean, most people, if you ask them, they want more of those three things, right? Um, so I knew that something had to change in my life. I knew that I had to sort of transition into something else, something else if I was going to achieve that. Um, and the way that it came was I'd saved a little bit of money at this point. It wasn't a lot, about four and a half, five grand or so. And I knew enough about sort of personal finance to know, you know, I'd read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Think Grow Rich, that kind of thing. I knew that I needed to put that capital to work and deploy it somehow, get it working for me. So I explored a couple of different avenues. I looked at the idea of potentially uh, flipping things on eBay and Craigslist. I looked into potentially into property, um, but I didn't have a, you know, really enough capital to kind of go down that avenue. So I did what I thought was the next logical option, which was to invest in the stock market. Now, at this point, you know, 21, 22, I literally knew nothing. I mean, if you would ask me what a stock is, I would have given you the most basic rudimentary answer. I literally knew nothing of finance, stocks, trading, whatever. So I literally went onto Google, typed in something like, you know, how to make money in stocks, how to make money in the stock market, whatever, started reading about. And at this point, I didn't even know there was a difference between trading and investing. I said, I literally knew nothing. And it didn't take me long before I came across this website. I can't remember what it was called, um, like Swing Trading Stocks or something. It might even still be around. I don't know. But when I actually learned the difference between trading and investing and learned about the potential for you know, far higher returns as a trader, the higher frequency of trades, the arguably less risk that you take as a trader, if you're controlling, you know, capping your risk in each trade, it just something that resonated with me. But it took a period of about six months between first discovering trading to me then going, 
yeah, this is what I want to do with my life. This is, this is what I want to do. And then ultimately, I just immerse myself into study, into books, courses, training providers, signals, everything until I eventually went into a testing phase, if you like. Um, and again, you can, you know, we can touch on how I sort of quantified the strategy later um, and built out a methodology, which took about a period of about, yeah, about 18 months. And so, so you moved, obviously, from stocks to Forex. I mean, how did that transition happen? The transition happened really out of necessity because the first methodology that I was trading was a very much swing trading approach, only ever used the daily chart. Um, and it just wasn't giving me the frequency of trades that I could get and realize that I could get from the Forex market. Obviously, the markets are over 24 hours a day as opposed to the eight hours in which stock trading can actually be facilitated. So by default, you effectively get three times as much inherent profit opportunity in the FX markets. Um, the spreads were lower. You know, it didn't take long before I went from, yeah, starting in stocks to, to going down the Forex route. Okay. And, and how did, did, I suppose, did your education start in stocks and then move on to Forex? And how did that, how did you work with that? Yeah, so literally started with stocks. Um, as I said, most of my education came from this initial site. Um, you know, tons of books. I mean, I, I wish I could tell you that like, the one sort of thing that I started learning, but I read probably over 100 trading books, every course I could get my hands on, every signal provider, and just took, every, you know, immersed myself, indicators, price action, price patterns, vol- literally everything I could until I started finding things that resonated with me. And I went through this kind of like process almost of, you know, taking what worked and expanding upon it and then sort of discarding what didn't. Um, and very quickly, I sort of realized that price action market structure, you know, clean price charts that resonate with me very, very quickly. I stripped back the indicators um, and was left with ultimately a methodology that I said I started kind of like refining it until I built out my own methodology, which is still one that I trade today. And, and so I suppose, I mean, that sort of, for me, it's it's quite interesting how you got to that point where, and I don't know if you're going to remember because it was a while ago, uh, mm-hmm how you eliminated all these other things because there's so much you can do right there's so many things you can do methods you can use how did you can you remember how you got to the point where it's like this don't work this don't work you know and then then but these these seem to have something to them yeah sure so i mean the the way that i sort of approached it i was literally imagining myself i was like a scientist going into the lab right and every indicator every sort of strategy every sort of methodology for me it was like a thesis Right. It's, it's only proven until you actually tested it and subjected it to historical traded data. So I take everything and then I'd go and test something over sometimes years, sometimes literally decades. And I mean, I was I was obsessed with this shit. Right? I was I was doing this between clients, you know, literally any spare time I could get. I was testing everything that I could get my hands on. And then what I'd then do is I then change something in the methodology, like, you know, refine something and then go back and retest it. Look at sort of what worked from a quantifiable perspective. And then also what felt right from a more qualitative sort of perspective as well. Because I think that's equally important. You know, it has to resonate with you in terms of your personal beliefs about the market. And yeah, I sort of kept going through this process, kept refining things. I'd initially try an indicator just as a standalone tool. Then I'd try it in conjunction with something else, maybe price patterns. And then, you know, just go through that process, kept refining, refining, refining until I was left with that kind of methodology, that framework, if you like, of the, the, the strategy that I now have. Hey, just jumping in here with a message from my sponsor, Sage Strategies. Do you want to trade gold and crypto like the institutions? Well, now you can, and it's free for 14 days with Sage Strategies, fully automated trading strategies. Check out their live track records for 25 unique strategies, plus they'll host everything for you, which is perfect for beginners and advanced traders or investors. Simply sign up for their 14-day free trial at sagestrategies.io and experience it for yourself. 
and, and so I mean that like I mean I always struggle with this like in terms of the testing element and being so regimented about your manual te- testing so that you don't try you don't sort of to a sense curve fit it yourself by going mm-hmm. oh no, I wouldn't take that one because of this or I wouldn't take this one or or I would take that one even though it doesn't quite meet the rules how did you how did you get to the point where you could essentially test without doing that sort of stuff sorry so so you mean like how do you know that that's a viable approach to, to go around well so go say for example you were using a few indicators and uh, like three indicators and some price pattern and you're saying okay when this happens i'm going to buy and then i'm going to exit here and i'm just going to repeat that over the last 10 years with the data and get the you know get my stats on that how did you not cheat you, you're not achieved by having very mechanical, very objective, hard and fast fixed rules for that, for that methodology. And I, and I truly believe that is the key to trading longevity. If you're deploying approaches that are subjective or discretionary, things which you can allow personal bias to, personal bias to get involved in, I don't think you're going to be able to trade that confidently and consistently over the long term. Right? You might do all right with it over the course of weeks, months, maybe a year or two. But I don't think over the real long term you're going to sort of succeed with that. So for me, it was always a rule set. You know, I wasn't taking my personal bias into the market. I might have a belief about what might work more effective than others, but it was always a very particular set of rules that I was going in and testing. And then I'd acquire a data, two years, five years, whatever, and then assess it. As I said, I was taking plenty of notes and making a, you know, an idea of how, from a qualitative perspective, it field, feels. But I then equally wasn't allowing that to you know, affect the qualitative data, the real hard numbers. And that's ultimately what I was basing, basing it off. But it is also equally about, important about finding a balance between the two. You know, I could test an indicator and it might have utility, but if it just doesn't resonate with me, it doesn't feel right. You know, have you read the Market Wizard series uh, by Jack Swager? No, I haven't read it. I've not oh, read right. it. Okay. Even though everyone says read it, I've never read it because I, I essentially do my own Market Wizards here. But yeah, go on. Right. Yeah, I mean, well, one of the common denominators about all of these traders, I mean, these are some of the most successful traders, you know, of their time, right? They always say one of the, the key things is the strategy has to sort of make sense to your personality. It has to fit to your kind of beliefs and, and sort of, you know, mindset about trading. And that was always really important to me. So as I said, it was about finding that balance between what resonated with me on an emotional level and what kind of made sense from an intuitive perspective, but equally what worked for the data and the numbers. You know, you can't, you, know, you can't ignore the, the actual data in the end. Data is king. And, and so what numbers were you looking for? Everything, literally everything. I wanted to know, Obviously, everyone knows when they're back testing. You're obviously always equating um, and, and gathering, you know, average profit expectancy, uh, you know, drawdown, largest strings of consecutive losses, largest con- strings of consecutive profits, all of those. But I also wanted to know average stop losses. I wanted to know, you know, time of day. I wanted to know um, days of the week. Everything that I could get my hands on. I-, I wanted to have as much information about this thesis as possible, because. Uh, you know, as I said before, you know, it really is so important that you understand your strategy, you know, like the back of your hand. It's, you've got to know it intimately. And, 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 and so when you landed on, on, I suppose, the strategy you're using now or something close to it, I mean, what were the things that sort of appealed to you about this particular strategy and the numbers around it that you saw? Yeah, well, I mean, the strategy was kind of like a hybrid. So it wasn't like one strategy. It was kind of like a hybrid of my own sort of things, if you like. Um, and one of the things that I consistently resonate with from the start was price action and market structure, right? Technical indicators, I believe, are just 
and this is just my personal opinion, you know, I know that every trader has a different way. Um, but for me, technical indicators are just a derivative of price, right? There's nothing that a technical indicator can tell you that isn't already being displayed on the price chart in the form of the open, high, low and close prices. Yes, albeit they might be displaying that information in a slightly different format. You know, stochastics is you know telling you about a consensus of value based off a past sort of you know high low price range. Um, but for me, I just thought if I can learn how to re- read price from the cleanest perspective possible, from the actual price chart, from the candlesticks, that to me would would make more sense. I wouldn't need these sort of secondary auxiliary tools because to me, price was the cleanest indicator you could get. So that was always a natural thing for me to sort of pursue further, and then. Anybody who's looked into technical analysis, technical patterns, you know, pennants, symmetrical triangles, wedges, falling, you know, all of these different variations. But what I started to realize is that despite the exact sort of name we tag onto these patterns, they were all effectively coming from the same five movements, right? Whether you're looking at a symmetrical triangle or a wedge or a pennant, you know, sometimes what you would find is that they always are effectively variations of the same thing. And ultimately, I then sort of said, right, let's take all of these and let's put them into these different categories. And there was five particular price movements that we could see occur again and again and again. And that then became the basis of the of the strategy. Ah, cool, cool, cool. And and so like you, so moving from testing phase to, to going live and or were you doing it at the same time? How did that all uh, pan out? Wasn't wasn't live as I was testing. I was always just demo trading at that point. To me, it never made sense to be deploying capital until I had a proven framework for trading. Um, so yeah, sort of small demo testing, um, obviously, as well as the back testing that I was doing, which was really my main focus. Um, and then once I built it, I then went straight in with a live account. I didn't really sort of progressively scale that account. I just went straight in with all the capital that I had and started trading full 1% risk from, from, from then. Okay, cool. And... Any weird things happen when you started or was it pretty much plain sailing because you've done all the pre-work? Yeah, I mean, at this point, obviously, keep in mind, you know, I've been on, you know, the, the back testing charts now for literally, you know, sort of 16, 17 months at this point. And there's obviously a big difference between using the bar replay tool on TradingView and letting price play out at, you know, double speed, you know, 10 times speed than there is actually doing it in the real market you've obviously got to wait for your signal as opposed to just pressing the tool and letting it play out so that to me was the biggest thing and that's when i realized the, the importance of mindset and how that plays out in trading there's one thing having a back testing result where you take three losses in a row when you actually experience that certainly as a new trader with real capital on the line on the line it's a different ball game to me you know and, and, so, and in your back testing had you experienced that before like where you'd had three losses or even more in a row Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, more than three losses, you know, it's, it's the name of the game, right? I mean, any methodology, even if you're trading a strategy that's got a strike rate of 60, 65%, it's probable that you're going to take five, six, seven consecutive losses in a row. Right. Um, but actually having it play out in the real market with real money, that was what initially kind of stumped me as a new developing trader. But that's when and, I then started working on psychology. And what, and what, what, uh, what I suppose we're diving in here pretty quickly, but what sort of yeah, stuff yeah. in the, in the psychology space did you start working on? And did you think, you know, third, third loss in a row, I'm assuming yeah. you're only taking, are you taking one trade at a time or you might have a couple running? If the, if the, if the setups are there, I'll, I'll happily kind of, con, you know, execute multiple trades at the same time. Um, I will allow myself to take up to 3% worth of risk over my setups. So I can have three consecutive 1% risks um, going on or six 0.5% risk. You know, however, that kind of tallies up. Um, but yeah, you know, I'd happily get involved in that. When it actually kind of got to the point where working on my psychology and my mindset was so important, I started with all the classics, you know, Mark Douglas trading in the zone. Um, is it Brett, Brett Steenbarger? Brett Steenberger, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, all of his sort of stuff and just yeah then started immersing myself in that part then okay cool so let's let's dive back into your trading now i mean you, you're obviously probably well versed on your stats i mean what are the what are the stats look like around your your win rate your risk to rewards how does that play out so over the full strategy, which is 10 currency pairs that I sort of effectively collect data on, um, which occur over a 24-hour period, I just track every viable setup that meets the strategy rules. Strike rate is in the region of about 70 to 75%. And of course, it will depend on how you're actually applying that, what pairs you're trading, what timeframes, that sort of thing. Average profits anywhere from about 25 to 3%. That's over a large sample set of trades. Obviously, the deviation from that can be massive. You can have trades up to, you know, 10 10 plus percent and obviously trades much smaller than that. So um, that's over 10 currency pairs. Literally, we don't take into account sessions or time frame or, or times a day. Every trade that meets the rules get executed and gets collected into the database. And does the 75% include like, or 70, 75, does that include like a break-even kind of approach as well? Is that considered a profit, profitable trade or a... Yeah, so so obviously traders do have a different couple of ways of doing that. Obviously, with terms of break evens, I put them into the strike into the, the strike rate as a count. So a strike so a strike rate for me is anything any trade that makes or doesn't lose money. So so break evens are, are included into that. And and going into a bit of detail here around what you do, I mean, when do you when do you move your stop to break even? Is have you got a predefined rule, or how do you work out when to do it? So. It will depend on ultimately the context of the higher time frame. There is a couple of different strategy in terms of management that we will use. And the one that we will use, as I said, will depend on whether you have high time frame directional momentum trend in your favor. So if there is and there's clear high time frame support and context to that trade, we'll be a little bit more conservative and let it run a little bit more. And we'll be using structure and predefined sort of pivot points as they play out to actually use as the basis of our stop loss in a more aggressive circumstance where we don't have that. Uh, we have a more aggressive approach where it's just moved based off um, sort of percentage targets, our targets, if you like. Okay, cool. And um, so you talked about uh, 10 different, you're monitoring 10 different pairs. Are you trading all 10 pairs or are you? I personally will trade all 10. Yeah. Yeah, I used to trade 28. I used to trade all 28, which is that, you know, eight combination, uh, those combination of those eight currency pairs. Um, uh, I then did drop it down to 14. And then I started finding with my testing that the less pairs that I was actually trading it, the overall better results were. So I then dropped it down to 10 and that's where I sort of found that sort of sweet spot between always having enough opportunity on any daily basis, yet not being so overwhelmed with with opportunity. And, but I know... Okay. Sorry, sorry go, go on. on, go on, mate. And you know... I, I was going to say, I know equally traders that will trade up to, you know, 30 pairs, you know, commodities, indexes, um, other traders that will only focus on three or four. So... Okay, and you're only doing forex pairs. You're not doing any sort of commodities or indexes or anything like that. Or the, the ten which I collected are, are all currency pairs. Okay. But I will equally trade if there's a high probability opportunity setting up. I will equally trade gold, silver, um, stocks, indexes. But but my main main focus, eighty percent of the time, is, is forex. Okay, cool. And and getting into a trade, uh, I know you use limit or stop orders which one is it limit or stop orders i don't i don't know that <laughs> yeah it's a, so stop orders so conditional entry orders effectively so so for me the reason why that's important is because it, in the methodology that we're trading we always want confirmation that we're actually going to see price movement in off in our direction and having a stop order and actually only taking you taking you into the trade when it's committed to that direction it's almost like insurance right you're going to get into the trade a little bit later sure than if you were just to execute it on a market order in the particular sort of setup that we're looking at but you're equally getting a certain amount of confirmation that it's actually moving in your intended direction. 
And to me, it's just a bit of a payoff, right? You're getting into the trade slightly later than, 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 than you would, but you're going to have a you know, lower percentage of losers. Um, and to me, that's a, a payoff worth taking. Okay, and so, so just a question on this, because this is something that I've, I've sort of questioned myself, because um, I have the same or, or similar problem. I don't know if you have the same problem, but say, for example, you get like out of your, your 10 pairs, or it was 28 pairs, say you have like eight setups, right? Mm-hmm. And you only want to risk a maximum of 3% of your account. So six setups, you can risk, risk half a percent on each. Uh, yep. Eight setups that could potentially trigger and get you in eight positions at half a percent each is going to risk you 4% of the account. Hope everyone's yeah. following this. Um, what yeah. do you do then? And and by the time you've put the eighth setup in, how do you know yeah. that, how do, do you have to then, do you, would you get, then go back and recalculate all the, the, the position sizes? So the way that I would deal with that, if I've got eight setups all showing a, a trade, I, I, I'm straight away only going to be willing to take 3% worth of overall portfolio risk over those positions. Typically, I'm going to take three of them with 1%. It's going to be that simple. And the way that I would filter out and decide which ones to actually you know, initiate an entry into is going to be dependent on, first of all, the higher time frame context. I'll keep coming back to multiple time frame analysis because I really believe it is, the, it is the holy grail that every trader needs to learn. But I'll look at the higher time frame and the ones which have got the, the best directional momentum to them and the best sort of higher time frame structure, they're the ones that can take precedence over you know, ones that don't. The other thing that I'll then be looking at is if there's any sort of crossover between currency pairs, you know, the currencies in the actual pairs and the setups that I'm taking. Um, it's very likely, you know, you've got to look for enough pairs that, you know, pound dollar and pound yen are so highly correlated that if it's the same setup, ultimately, if you take 1% worth of risk on this setup on GU and then 1% worth of risk on, on the same setup on GJ, you might as well just take 2% worth of risk in one, right? That's not a hard and fast rule, but, you know, so for me, yeah, I'll, I'll be looking at that as well, the actual correlation of the different setups and has, as they're occurring over those 10 pairs cool and um just going back to your jumping back to your back testing again so you've talked about multi time frame you're on trading mm-hmm. replay mode yep how far back were you going because the 15 minute i think you're entering on the 15 minutes don't you but were you entering on the 15 minutes when you're doing the back testing or because that can be a real pain in the butt <laughs> yeah. you can't yeah, get well, far enough yeah, well, it's only recently we're trading. I think like last year we actually added the feature where if you're in like, the daily chart, you can then actually switch between the, the lower time frames without it moving position. Oh, I don't know if, okay. Beforehand, it didn't do that. If you went then down to like and switch the time frame, it would just go back to the start, um, which made the testing very difficult. But yeah, I mean, the entry time frames that we use are the hourly and the 15 minute. You can apply the strategy in, in a way where if there's interest rate momentum, you can equally just apply it on the one minute chart. You know, the, the principles are ubiquitous in that sense. Um, but yeah, I would go down and if there was a trade entry on either one of those two timeframes, I would execute it. I would then journal whether it was, whether the execution happened on the hourly or the, or the 15 minute chart, because again, that's more data you want to dig into. If you've got two timeframes that you're executing on, you want to know, well, what is the average profit on this one? What's the strike rate on the hourly chart? What's, you know, you want to know those numbers mm. because if you're finding that you're taking a high percentage of your losses on one time frame, maybe it's time to refine that. You know, maybe it's time to, well, is it my stop loss? Is it whatever? You know, you can go back and actually have that data. But the only way that you do that is by collecting that data in the first place. Okay, and, cool. and and when you're when you're entering these like uh, stop orders on the on the fifteen minute chart, I mean, are you looking for a stop loss around the fifteen minute in a, at a fifteen minute area or at a higher time frame area? So the stop loss will always be relative to the execution time frame that you're on. So if I'm on the hourly chart, it's always based off the structure and the setup that I'm seeing on the hourly chart. 
Um, so that's quite nice and simple because when you're looking at a setup, whether it's on the hourly chart, five minute chart, one minute chart, whatever, it's the same principle. You're always doing it based off the actual particular structure that you're looking at. Um, and it's just a simple case of it's never done based off an exact amount of pips. It's never based off some arbitrary level. It's always done based off the particular price structure that's being traded. So the only place you should ever be setting a stop loss is at a point where the very activation of it is an invalidation of the original trading idea in the first place. And I see traders deploying methods where it's always got a fixed 10%, uh, sorry, 10 pip stop or a 15 pip stop. To me, that makes no fucking sense because it has to be relative to the trade that you're taking. So, you know, we have a setup and then based off that, there's an aggressive stop loss placement, a conservative stop loss placement. You go into the trade, you take it, you set the stop, you let it play out. Awesome. Every single time, rinse and repeat. Cool. And uh, I mean, how many trades are you reckon you're getting a week? I think you might have mentioned it before. I can't remember. Yeah, so it's a tough one to answer because it can really depend anywhere from sometimes I won't trade the whole week. Literally, if nothing sets up according to my plan, I will not take a trade. Equally, I can be in eight trades in a week as well. So it really can depend. As an average, two to three, two to three trades. Um, if I'm more active on the intraday charts, if I'm if I'm you know more willing to put the screen time in and I'm more active on the on the five minute charts, I can pretend that can obviously increase. Um, but in the way that I track the strategy using the hourly and the fifteen minute charts, it's yeah probably average about two to three a week. What about session time, sessions? Are you like trading specific sessions, or how do you how do you work out when you get into your trades? Literally something i've never looked into i've never looked into uh, different sessions it's not something i track if i have a setup occur it's being executed if it, if it meets my rules and it has the higher time frame support to it and it's a valid entry i'm going to execute that i'm not then filtering it by you know whether we're in the aussie session or the london session i to me it doesn't have any real bearing to me sessions are more important if you're trading on, on those lower time frames right you know if, if i was trading the one minute chart which i don't it, it would have more bearing more utility for me but in the way that I'm trading, where typically the lowest of the time frames that I'm going down to is the 15 minute, yeah, I don't hold too much weight on um, on sessions. And I suppose you're mainly awake for the UK and the US session anyway, so you're probably yeah. missing out on the doldrums uh, of of the, the the rollover and stuff. So, um, what does your typical trading day look like then? Typical trading day, I first have a market review in the morning, which is normally about 15 minutes after I wake up. So literally have a coffee, get onto the charts. Last about 30 minutes. The first thing that I'll do is I'll go through all of those 10 pairs and look at the price action that's transpired in the past 24 hours. All right, so I'll just use the vertical line on TradingView and I look back 24 hours, 24 candles ago on the uh, on the hourly chart. And I'm just looking at all of the price action that's sort of transpired in that period. I want to see what's happened, if there was any opportunities, if there were, why didn't I execute them? Um, I'll journal them obviously into the database if they met the rules. I'm just looking at what's happened and, and how the market's moving. The next thing that I'm then going to do, if I'm in active, any active trades from the day before, by the way, this will be the time that I actually use to manage those positions. If the stop loss needs to be adjusted, I'll do all of that sort of stuff. But the, the first main thing is just actually, you know, going through and reviewing. The next thing that I'm doing, as I've reviewed the past 24, I should be able to have a pretty good idea as to what is likely going to transpire in the next 24. Now, I want to make a different, you know, a distinction. That's not me, you know, predicting what's going to happen. There's a big difference between predicting a price movement and forecasting it. To me, though, I'm just going to anticipate the different possible scenarios that we may see in the next 24 hours. If it's likely price is going to sort of give me a high probability trading opportunity, I'll tag it, I'll add it to a separate watch list, and then that will be then what I monitor until my next market check, which is in the afternoon. Lasts about 15 minutes, and I'll do the exact same thing um, in the evening at around 6, 7 p.m. So there's never too much of a period, about you know four hours between any market review. I'll scan through the pairs. If the opportunity is there and the trade's present, I'll execute it. 
if I'm already in one, I'll manage it. That's it. It's, it's literally, I always say to people, I came into trading to have more freedom, not less of it. Mm. And to me, sitting down at a screen for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. Um, again, if that's your proclivity, fair enough. But for me, I couldn't think of anything fucking worse. So I designed a strategy in a way where you can deploy it and apply it in a, quite an easy sort of way. So you can make it fit your lifestyle. So, so how many hours in a day do you reckon it, it consumes? On a busy day, maybe up to two. If, if, if I'm really taking my time and, and going through each of those pairs and there's multiple different opportunities, sometimes you can just click a pair, it's corrected. There's, there's, you can just see from a high time from perspective, nothing's setting up on that. You just skim through. So it will depend. But typically, yeah, an hour, hour and a half. And what about like managing, you know, you're in a trade and it's, it's gone into profit. And have you got to, at that point, do you have to set alerts or anything to, to work out when you move your stop to break even or trail it? Yeah, so I mean, it, it, we have two management methods. It will depend on which management method we're using. Um, if we're looking at and using it based off the structural method, then I'll just set an alert on the break of the structure where we're going to move behind. Um, equally, if it's the other one. So, so yeah, alerts we, we'll pretty much use. Sometimes I won't set an alert because I know I'm checking the markets in an hour or two. And when you're trading on the 15 minute chart, not a huge amount of price action is going to develop in that time. If you're on the five minute chart or the one minute chart, like some traders will do, um, then you are going to want to make better use of those alerts, making sure you're obviously uh, mm. keeping up with that fast moving price action. Cool. And and what do you think? I mean, you've obviously, I know you've trained a, a bunch of traders with your course and stuff, and uh, you, you've seen and heard from a lot of traders. What do you think made you different from other people that you come across who are trying to get into trading? So... I would say that the, the, the biggest thing is I was fucking obsessed with data, right? Like it, it might have stemmed from me being a PT. I used to track everything, you know, average hot, literally everything I could with my clients. But the one thing that I was always obsessed with from the very start was data. Um, and, you know, I see too many traders. I speak with a lot of traders as well on social media. And I see too many traders just applying something for a couple of weeks and their strategy hopping. And then they do this. They have a couple of losses. They move on to something else. To me, it was always about testing 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 you know just collecting that data seeing what worked refining as opposed to just saying oh a double top you know that's how we trade a double top and then trying it and then it doesn't you know to me it was always about getting obsessed with data and getting the the kind of quantifiable metrics behind your strategy and and then applying it now so that's obviously quite a unique thing to you in my mind anyway like so this obsession with data a lot of people are not going to have that and i think the pt thing is is quite unique with with having that obsession for data as well makes sense thinking about somebody who's not going to take your course who Mm -hmm. isn't hasn't got an obsession with data and they they will never get one what would you say to them how would you how would you get them to approach you know new to trading to growing an account I mean, I wouldn't say that it's a prerequisite to become obsessed with data and and metrics to be successful. It's it's, it's certainly not one of the prerequisites, but you do need to have an idea of the efficacy of your strategy in the long term. So there is going to be need to be some element of backtesting that you're doing. Whether you test it over a year or two is obviously up to you, but you are going to need to do some testing, right? If if you're deploying a method, if you're taking risk on a real money without a strategy that, that has been tested to some degree, you... I would say that's going to me. I don't think you should be deploying that until it's been proven some, somewhat. So definitely get involved in a backtesting, whether you're doing it manually on TradingView, whether you're testing it using one of these you know, sort of softwares. Definitely get some sort of testing under your belt would be the first thing. The second thing I'd say is 
if it's if it's aimed at a new trade, I'd say the first thing: take off all the indicators. If you're currently using you know, volume, I would I would personally say take all of that off first and focus on price action first, because as I said before, you know, an indicator isn't going to tell you anything new than what price can already tell you. You can always add these tools in later, right? You can always add a moving average. You can always add RSI later on. But first of all, master price action, master the candlesticks, master the price patterns and and that first, and then start experimenting with these different tools. I see traders literally who are weak into their journey and I'm looking at their screens and, they, and they've already got MACD and RSI and moving averages. And it's like, how do you make sense by that? You know, certainly when you start factoring in that these can give you multiple different signals, when you then factor in how those signals are applying over multiple timeframes, you're just going to get paralysis by analysis, right? It's just too much information, I think. You can add them in later, but first of all, strip them all back and only add them when necessary. Don't start with them. You know, add them as your sort of strategy and your methodology evolves. Cool. Awesome. Great answer. Great answer. Um, now, so thinking about so these guys are now going, okay, great. I'm going to look at a price chart. What things would you say focus on on this price chart? I would say the first thing is, as we just touched on before, market structure and price action. Um, so looking at the different formations that these sort of, that the market actually gives. So you can obviously start your study with the tech, with the kind of classical patterns. Obviously, we know that there are double tops, all those kind of things. I would say more though, you know, the triangle formations, the ascending channels, flags, wedges, all of those kind of things. They have a lot of utility um, for any trader. Because I said, even if you don't necessarily go that route of trading those patterns, it will give you a good, deep understanding of market behavior and how the sort of market moves. I mean, if you look back at a daily chart on Bitcoin recently, at the time of this recording there, and you just study that structure with nothing else on, it adheres to these principles literally beautifully, literally perfectly. So that's where I'd start. The next thing would be, and we've sort of said this before, multiple time frame analysis. You just cannot ignore it. When I first started, my mistake was I was only ever looking at the daily chart. I see traders that only trade the hourly chart, traders that are only looking on the one minute chart. You need to be understanding the market through those different perspectives, through those different lens of different time frames. Um, how many you look at is obviously up to you and depends on obviously your particular methodology. I personally look at four. Start with the daily chart, find the significant structural levels, drill down to the four hour chart, and then start finding trades and entry points with the hourly and the 15 minute chart. You know, it's just so important that you start with those higher time frames first, because ultimately any trade that you take on the lower time frame is predicated by the direction and the momentum and the trend and the structure from the higher time frames. And, and it's just so important because from a risk management perspective, it means that if you don't have that higher time frame support and it's a, and it's a lower quality trade, it might mean that you want to get involved with that trade with 0.5% risk as opposed to the full 1%. But equally from a management perspective, again, the way you manage that trade is going to be dependent on the context of the higher time frame. So even though you're executing on the 15 minute, ultimately really what's more important is the four hour or the daily, because that's where the most important information has been provided from. Awesome. Cool. Now, um, what about, like, you've talked about so a couple of books that people can go off and read, and, you know, there's a whole bunch of information in there around trader's mindset. What about yeah. techniques and things you actually apply on a daily basis around your mindset or you may have done in the past, things that people can take away from the show and go, okay, great, maybe I'll have give that a go. Is there anything you, you can drop drop with us here today? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, trading psychology is a huge, you know, universe in itself, right? You know, you can go into forever about all the reasons and, and sort of, uh, you know, places where these problems sort of stem from, right? You can go back into your childhood and find associations to money and all that sort of stuff. But the truth is any psychologically driven trading problem, 
whether it's you know cutting your profits too short, removing your stop loss, taking too much risk, over trading, you know, jumping the gun and, and sort of taking setups before the entry signal presents itself. All of those problems really can be mastered with the with the sort of mastering of four main principles, four things. And I call them the four pillars. And the course I teach it as the four pillars. If you can master those four things, it doesn't matter what your trading, your individual trading problem is, you will master your mindset as a trader. Number one is dealing with losses, right? In this game, you have to learn to lose like the professionals. It's, it's as simple as that, right? You have to understand that losses are inevitable. It doesn't matter what strategy you're using, how high your strike rate, you are going to take some losses in this game. And too many traders are out in the market operating with a belief that a loss is an invalidation of their sort of, you know, analysis. It's an invalidation of their ability as a trader. And the way that we change that is in yet a simple but fundamental shift in what what losing actually means to us. Okay, you know, if I were to take the example of a catering business who's, you know, buying food, you know, to actually run that business, you wouldn't see that person operating with the belief that, the expense of buying food is a loss, right? It's, it's just a necessary expense. It's a necessary part of doing business. And it's the exact same thing with trading. You know, you just have to learn to lose. You have to understand that if you've got a strategy that has a positive expectancy in the long term, you're going to take losses. You just need to learn how to deal with those. The second one is removing the concept of money, right? If you're viewing your trading and your results through the lens of the monetary perspective, you're going to have a very, very hard time, I believe, as a trader. You know, I mean, when I first started, I used to translate all the results of my trades into the monetary amount that it could buy me. You know, if I, I'd be, oh, that's a month's rent that I've just lost, or that's, you know, my car payment for the whatever, you know, and it's just not sustainable in the long term. It's going to do much more harm than good. So you've got to learn to remove yourself from the concept of money and instead start thinking out of the R multiple. All right. So for anybody who doesn't know, the R multiple is simply a metric which allows us to quantify the result of a trade based on the amount of risk that we take. Right. So if I take 1% risk and the trade is closed out for 3%, it's a 3R trade. Right? It's simple as that. So when you view your results in terms of the R multiple, it means you can start viewing different account sizes, different results with a certain amount of equanimity. If I've got trader A who's trading 10 grand and he takes a 1% um, profit, sorry, a 3% profit, and I've got trader B who's trading 100 grand and he takes a 3% profit, he's made 300 quid, he's made 3 grand. But in terms of the R multiple, it's 3R. You can treat them with a certain degree of as I said, equanimity is, it's just the same thing. Three R, three R. Easy cool. as that. Awesome. And yeah, uh, pillar, a couple more. Yeah. Pillar three, thinking in probabilities. So learning to operate like the casino, you know, understanding that in each trade we have obviously, well, in every sample of trade, we have the micro event, which is the trade by trade thing. And then we have the macro event, which is the actual series of the sample set of trades, if you like. Okay. And Mark Douglas touches on this way more um, than I do in, in, in uh, training in the zone. But, you know, you can't allow the micro event, the trade by trade results to affect your belief of what's going to happen on the macro level. Because you have to learn and deeply understand what it means to think probabilistically and how that can mean and, and affect the distribution of your trade results. And then pillar, pillar four, remaining relentlessly positive. Okay. And the way that we do this is the first step is in cultivating an absolute unwavering belief in your ability to win. If you're a developing trader, and you don't believe with absolutely every fucking fiber of your being that you're going to win in this game, get the fuck off the pitch and go and sit on the sidelines because you're probably not cut out for it. All right, it's that simple. You've got to believe that you are going to achieve success in this game. It's, it's, it's that important because that's what's going to pull you through the drawdown. That's what's going to pull you through the losses. That's what's going to pull you through the times when it just feels like it's not making sense. Your strategy's not working. The market's a shit. That's what's going to bring you out the other end. All right, so you've just got to really cultivate that belief. You know, I think it was... Charles Swindle, who said that 90, life is 
of I'm convinced that life is 90% of what happens to me and 10% of how I react to it. And it's just so important that you have the, 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 the po- most positive mental mindset going into this. And then step two is taking responsibility. Okay, that's the other way that we, we, we sort of develop and cultivate this mindset. You have to believe, again, with every fiber of your being, that your trading results are only down to you. Okay, it's not because of your broker. It's not because of your, uh, you know, because of the market or the swap hours or the spreads. You and only you are responsible for your results. Because if you start placing responsibility on anything that's outside of yourself, you rob yourself of an incredibly valuable learning opportunity to actually get better as a trader. If I say, oh, the reason why I was taking out that trade because the fucking spreads were crazy or because it's swap hours or because my fucking brother-in-law told me to do it, you know, you're robbing yourself of the chance to actually say, no, this was on me. Let's learn what happened. Let's go through that feedback loop. Let's actually review this trade, learn a lesson, and let's go, go again. If you, you know, you, if you place that outside of yourself and you relinquish responsibility, you rob yourself of that opportunity. So it's just so important. But they're the four pillars. And I said, if you can, and any listener master those four things, you will, you you will literally master your mindset. Mm. Awesome. That is so good, guys. You've got to literally rewind and repeat that. Probably just crop it out somewhere and have it on, have it on a, like a little audio clip that you can play whilst you're going to sleep. Now, um, last question before we get into the quick fire round. Uh, If there was one thing you recommend any retail trader spend the next month mastering, what would it be? Next month, mastering. Um, multiple time for analysis, first of all. Um, price action and market structure, which we touched on. And then mindset. I mean, uh, and then mindset, yeah. Um, Let's just stick with multi-time frame. That's probably the, yeah, that, well, is, that, uh, that is probably enough for a month, I'd say. Um, yeah, good yeah. answer. Now, yeah, analysis, definitely. Cool. Let's dive into this quick fire round here. So uh, how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? 18 months. What's 18 your, months. What's your favorite entry setup? Uh, favorite entry setup is a lower time frame continuation pattern feeding into higher time frame momentum. And what strategies do you use to exit or manage trades? So I won't go into the exact specific entry rules. That, oh, sorry, oh, sorry exit, to manage exit, trades. Yeah, exit trades, manage oh, okay. okay, so two management methods. We have the uh, percentage trail, which is done based off uh, sort of percentage figures as it reaches. So as it moves to 1% worth of active profit, we move the stocks to break even. As it reaches 2%, we move it to 1% and so on. That's rarely used. It's normally used when there's no sort of high time frame context or support to the trade, when we're not expecting by default long extended momentum and movement in our favor. The more utilized of the two is a structured trail method, though, where we're actually using sort of market furniture, pivot highs, pivot lows, depending obviously whether it's long or short, and actual definable market structure and price patterns as the basis of our stop loss placements. And do you have a recommended trading book or resource? Uh, trading in the zone. Every trader, doesn't matter what strategy, what methodology you're using, go and read Trading in the Zone. Read it you know, three or four times. Make plenty of notes because that will change the way that you see uh, your results as a trader. Now, um, do you want to walk us through your worst ever trade? Worst ever trade? I mean, I, 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 it's a tough one because I wouldn't really say that there is one. For me, you know, the worst ever trade would be one that has a disproportionate loss, right? You know, you hear traders lose 25%, 50%. That never happened because from day one, risk management position size and always came very intuitive to me. I would say the worst trade is the one which meets your trading plan, which has all of the rules which you use to actually initiate a trade and that you don't take, whether it was a profit or a loss. That to me is the worst trade because if your strategy is proven to be reliable in the long term, you just need to be executing every single trade. So if you find that and then you don't take it, you hesitate, you jump the gun, whatever, and you don't take it, that's that to me is the worst trade. Mm. Even answer. if it was a loss. Yeah, 
Um, now, one piece of advice you can leave our listeners with before we wrap this show up. One piece of advice. Stop viewing your performance and development as a trader by the absolute percentage amount that you're making or not making. Okay. It's just the number one sin that you can do because the percentage that you make, and again, some traders might not agree with this, but the percentage that you make is absolutely irrelevant because it only really matters depending on the context and the opportunity that's been provided by the market, right? If based off the strategy that I deploy, apply, there is 50% worth of opportunity in that particular month based off my trading plan, whether I took those trades or not, and I made 5%, I've captured 10% of what the market produced to me. If I make 10% the next month, but there's 100% worth of opportunity, I might have made 10%, but as a percentage, it's still the same. I've still captured 10% of what the market presented. So the only thing that you should be doing is, is, is translating what did you make as a percentage relative to what the market presented. If you made 20%, but the market produced 200% of inherent market opportunity, you've done no better than a trader who made 5%, but where there was 50% worth of market opportunity. Does that make sense? I'll probably have to rewind it. It's late here, <laughs> but it, it sounds it sounded good. Hey, um, look, before we wrap up, what's the best way to, for the traders to get hold of you? Uh, you can visit me on my website, tradingjamblercode.uk, um, or you can equally visit my Instagram, which is James Eaton. That's just James, E-A-T-O-N-F-X. Okay, no um, spaces or anything like that. Just literally James Eaton FX on Instagram, or as I said, tradingjamblercode.uk. Brilliant. Well, look, a big thank you to James for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all those links that he's just mentioned, are in the show notes. To find them, simply search for James in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. Hey, folks, ever wonder what broker I use? Well, I use Hanko Trade. It was a no-brainer because I was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage. Now, by joining Hanko Trade, I've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just $1 per 100K. You can learn more at hankotrade.com or just click the link I've put in the description. All right, folks, there we have an interview with James Dunn and Dustin. Now, do remember we did shoot a YouTube video where he walks through a price chart and shows you how to, um, or the five kinds of structures that you should be looking out for on the higher time frames in order to get a better execution and a better trade on the lower time frame. So that's over there on the Trading Nut channel, along with what's coming up now, which is the pre-market analysis by Cass Darman. So Cass is going to break down what's going to come up in the market in the following week on hourly, daily and probably things in between levels that you can possibly trade off, as well as looking at the week before and the key levels and how the market reacted to it. There's going to be trading tips. There's going to be Q&As. This is going to be the first of many as well. So please be sure to check that out this week. If you get, if you miss it, then don't worry. There will be a replay that you can catch as well. Also, whilst you're over there on the Trading Nut channel, we're going to be dropping a couple of videos, both of trading robots that I've created as part of my Robot Builders Club. Um, you can get access to that if you join. You can get access to, to the code of these robots if you join and actually import them into the software that I teach, which is called FXDreamer. If you've got no idea what I'm talking about, head over to tradingnut.com and check out the free training that I've got up there for you guys as well. And do remember that the uh, doors will be closing on the Robot Builders Club soon. So if you do want to come on board, Trust me, now is the time to do it before new members can't get access to this. All right, folks, thanks for watching, and we'll see you in the next one.